Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small, in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the B2B Incubator and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching at the end of May, 2024. Remember, the B2B Incubator, apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand generals, content leads, and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategies that they've created. Some are now even contributing as much as 80% of the pipeline to their business after working through it. Make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week, we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome back to the B2B playbook. The interview this week is with someone who really personifies being helpful and really, Kev, I think shows what amazing things it can deliver in a very short amount of time. It's also a great example of how being helpful can return unexpected results. Yeah, I think it was a really great chat. It was really good to get into such a great story about how being helpful can be a win-win-win for you, your employer or business and importantly, the community you're trying to help. It really helps get you in front of your potential dream customers. There were so many awesome insights from our guest, Mason Cosby. I think, Kev, it'd be great recapping just for our listeners what they can expect to learn uh, when they go ahead and listen to this episode. Probably one of the most important things that I learned in speaking to Mason, Kevin, was how building a personal brand really helps marketers grow their careers, their career options, and the businesses that they're working in, in just an incredible way. The best time to start is often while you're working in a business, so you can lean on it for support and expertise. Yeah, and I really enjoyed his phrase, being bullish on kindness, that we chatted about as well. I think that was one that is it has a lot of parallels with our own framework in the being helpful part, but you know, he was saying how he basically applied this demand gen approach to his own personal brand, to his own life. And this really encapsulates that idea of um, being helpful and, or as he says it, being bullish on kindness. So that was a really powerful phrase for me. 
The other point I really like, Kev, was when he said there's so much value in just being the host of the party. So I think a lot of our listeners are probably hesitant to go out there and start being the expert and putting themselves out there. But Mason says, you don't have to be the one who's the expert. You can be the host of the party. So you can add value in the same way that Mason does just by hosting the experts. Yeah, or, you know, in in what he's called learning in public, which is what he's doing, um, taking people along for the ride as he learns things in public. And then there's a lot of other things we, we chatted about, like figuring out what you really want to be known for and coming back to the idea of using account-based marketing approach to your own life. I, I think some of the points we ended on that were really interesting was talking about solving periphery problems for your dream customers. So sometimes solving or providing helpful content that solves a problem that's not a direct link between your business and your dream customers can actually be a lot better an avenue to start that conversation with your dream customers. And but but all said and done, really his advice was don't overthink it. Uh, a lot of these things you'll pick up along the way and it's just about giving yourself that permission, that room to start um, and to whether it's Googling it and figuring out how to do things and figure out the longer strategy down the track as you start doing it. Whatever it might be, uh, it's important to get get going. This was actually one of my favorite episodes to record. Kev Mason was a lot of fun to have on. What he talks about is so closely aligned to what we're talking about this season. We have really similar approaches. Now, I would say without further ado, please enjoy this interview, but my God, I hate that. They, I hate that expression so much. It's used by so many people. So you know what, listeners? <laughs> Please enjoy this chat with Mason Cosby. There's a huge amount of takeaways, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. Welcome back to the B2B Playbook. Welcome back, listeners. You're with George and Kev again, and we're right into season two, which is all about Be Helpful. And we've got a special episode today, don't we, George? Yes, we're joined by LinkedIn acquaintance turned friend, Mason Cosby. He is the most helpful person I know. Now, Mason is the marketing director of Mojo Media Labs, which is a B2B marketing agency based in the States. He's the host of The Marketing Ladder, which is a podcast dedicated to helping marketers grow their company and their career. Mason is just an awesome example of how career marketers can grow their own personal brand and drive bottom line revenue to the company that they're working for. And he does it all by being helpful. Mason, thank you so much for coming on the show. First of all, are you cool with me calling us friends now? Uh, first, yes. I, I love the term LinkedIn acquaintances turned friend. Second, <laughs> I don't know that I'll be able to leave my office with how large my head just got from like all of the high compliments. I, <laughs> that is the best introduction I've ever received. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I hope you have nice wide doors to, to get through. So, Mason, you and I first connected on LinkedIn kind of late last year, and we've been running in the same sort of B2B circles. And over that time, to me, it was pretty clear that you were doing something a little bit special. And to give our listeners a reason to kind of tune in to the whole of this podcast, can you just give us an idea of the impact that your own personal brand and your work on LinkedIn has had on Mojo Media Labs? I mean, for, for starters, people know I and Mojo exist. 
So half of marketing is people knowing you even exist. I, at the moment, and I'm working internally on on changing this, but it, I'm, I'm pretty much the only one that's going really hard on LinkedIn from our company. So more people know Mojo exists by simply the, the proximity that I am the marketing director at Mojo. So that's that's half of it. The, the other half of it is... Like I've had the opportunity to speak with really, really awesome, influential people that also happen to be our ideal buyers. So just in the in the past three months, two of the interviews have turned into sales conversations. Just by being in proximity, they're talking about the things that they're struggling with. I'm like, oh, like we help with that. Do you want help with that? And they're like, oh yes, we would like help with that because I'm around and they generally like hanging out with me. So we like to work with people we like. So it's it's really, it's not the most direct attributable thing. Like I wouldn't say for everybody going out like, yeah, if you want to prove ROI to your executive team, go build a podcast where you talk about something completely separated from your business and just make friends with people that are your ideal customers. Like that's probably not the best move to start out with, but it certainly has been a massive game changer for my life for Mojo, and it's been a ton of fun. That's awesome. Keep in mind that really the Marketing Ladder podcast that you've been doing, which is about helping marketers grow their career, you've been at that for only about three to four months as well. Isn't that right? Yeah, so it launched November 3rd. Uh, Sorry, George, I'm going to go ahead and say what today is. It's February 10th, so it's been in existence for three months and a week. (laughs) Yeah, wow. I mean, that is a very short period of time to already be able to leverage your personal brand, your podcast to already bring in conversations that are turning into potential bottom line revenue for Mojo Media Labs. Yeah. And the other thing I'll throw out that has already started to happen is our online workshop attendance and our website sessions have started to slowly increase. Um, So over the past three months, we just hosted a live workshop that was called Content Strategy for Rapidly Scaling Companies. We had over 360 registrants that were all marketers and we had 80 people show up live. And people were literally asking to buy our services in the chat. And I have, I mean, <laughs> yeah. that was that was the first that was the first workshop we'd ever done where people started posting about the workshop the next day of their takeaways and like how much it was helpful. And a part of that was people were, were tagging Mason Cosby's workshop from Mojo Media Labs because they knew I was active, they knew I'd respond, they knew I'd see it. So it was it was one of those things of again, I've only been doing it for three months in a week. So it's it's not like I've got years to pull from. But the fact that the needle's moving at all, we're having more conversations, people know we exist. Like those are all really solid indicators. And if you ask me a month from now, two of those sales conversations may have already turned into close one revenue with target accounts that are massive deals for us. Yeah. I mean, that that is an incredible example of, I guess, the power of your own personal brand and the impact that that is having on Mojo Media Labs's bottom line. So it's very clear to our listeners that this actually works, but I'd also like to just quickly explore with our listeners, what kind of impact building your own personal brand has had for you? I mean, it's given you a lot of exposure. And I think with that, the reason I send career marketers to go and check you out all the time is I feel like it gives you a whole lot of leverage and just options, whether you want to continue as a career marketer, whether you want to start your own thing. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, this was not intended. Like I didn't start a podcast as a way to, to, to build a personal brand per se. So we'll we'll dive into that in a, in a second, but essentially like when it comes to the impact that it's had on my own personal life, you know, we'll, we'll start with the most high level, essentially vanity metrics of 
I had 1,600 followers. Today, I surpassed 4,800. So I've increased my reach from a personal brand perspective in really the past three to six months. Like, what is that? Nearly threefold. So I have a 300% larger reach as an individual. I don't know exactly what the ROI will be for Mojo or for my career or anything else, but the fact that I have a, a far greater reach and it's only continuing to grow every single week, I think I gain somewhere between 100 and 300 followers on a weekly basis. Like that... Like that's momentum and that's a train that I, I don't think will stop anytime soon. So that's that's just generally helpful so that I can be able to connect more people because the more people I have engaging with me, the more I can then help them get connected to others. So that's a part of the marketing ladder is helping people get connected in that people make career shifts. So they may end up, again, I work in a marketing agency, like we offer services. So they may end up landing a job in a company as a result of having been in my personal brand sphere and they may need marketing services. And they're like, okay, I know Mark Mason's in marketing. Like maybe I can ask him, maybe he knows some people that are, that are agencies and I can just, you know, directly route them to our salesperson and say, hey, we actually offer those exact services. So there's that piece to it. And then I'd be lying if I said I didn't get job opportunities on a fairly frequent basis. So that if anything were to ever happen with my current role, which I love my current job, like I absolutely adore the things that we're doing over at Mojo Media Labs. But if anything were to happen, I know that I've made enough actually one-to-one personal connections with marketing leaders across the industry because I've had 50 interviews with CMOs and VPs and agency owners. Like They all know me as a person. <laughs> so I could call up anybody yeah. and say, hey, I'm, I'm now on the market. Do you want my audience? Like I've had the ability to build an audience. Do you want access to this audience? You can hire me and I'll, I'll bring them with me. Or if at any point... I, I decide, you know, I think I think it's time. Like, I want to build a business. I, I have the audience, and I, I can easily go to my audience and say, hey, I now have 40 hours a week because something happened at Mojo, and I no longer have a job. Like, what do you want? Like, I've got some expertise. I can help somehow and build some digital products and, and start a business. Simply put, I don't, again, I don't, I don't know the exact purpose or the ROI or, or where it's going to go, but I know without a shadow of a doubt, having a personal brand and having any sort of an audience will help increase whatever company's bottom line I'm a part of, will help me get new job opportunities should I need it, or could be the platform through which I launch a business. Yeah, it just gives you options. I mean, I've told you, Mason, that my biggest regret is not realizing that you could build an audience while working as a career marketer, working for someone else. And it's really a much safer way of doing things. And I can see that there actually are advantages to going ahead and doing that because you're going out there and building your brand and you can lean on the knowledge of the company that you're working with. You can lean on that network there already. When Kevin and I went out on our own, we didn't necessarily have that. We didn't necessarily have that support. So it feels like it's it's the perfect time and the perfect place to actually go and start building your audience. All right, folks, quick breather here. In my time in B2B marketing, generally I've come to realize that there are just certain tools that can be an absolute game changer. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about Leadfeeder. Uh, it's a tool that helps you cut through the data and turn those website visitors into solid leads and opportunities for your business. Leadfeeder shows you which companies are checking out your site, tracking their behavior, and it integrates all of this with your CRM. And the result is it's basically like a secret weapon for targeted lead engagement, and it really makes it easier for your team to convert website traffic into sales. Head to leadfeeder.com, give it a free demo, and you'll also get a free extended premium trial 
when you let the rep know that you found out about Lead Feeder through the B2B Playbook podcast. That's leadfeeder.com. Okay, check it out. Back to the show. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And really the, the simple quick thought on that front is, you know, as I've talked with a lot of people about the idea of eventually building a business, like the one piece of advice I always get is start on nights and weekends. And if you have this imagery of like you're moving from the dock, which is the most stable thing, quote unquote, that is your that is your day job. That's the dock. This new full-time gig going out on your own is the boat. And if you just jump without having done any prep work, you're jumping in a lake and you're hosed. Whereas if you start to build it, the boat's coming closer to the dock. So instead of making a massive jump to try to reach the boat, you're taking a step off the dock into the boat. So again, I want to be very clear in the event that my boss listens to this. I don't at this moment have the intent to step (laughs) off the dock. But man, if I ever needed to, it could be a lot easier for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. That is the power of the audience that you're building and the network that you're building. Now, Mason, I want people to be able to uh, see, I guess, like how you even got here because everyone probably thinks, oh, Mason is special. And I'm sure you are special. I'm sure your mother told you that you're special. We're all very special, (laughs) but we're all just like regular people and we all have a story. And I want to see how you moved from digital marketing specialist to marketing director for Mojo Media Labs in 10 months. So you went from marketing specialist to being the person responsible for marketing the marketers. How did that happen so quickly? Yeah. So before we dive into that, I think I'm going to give you like way more context than you were hoping for. Yeah, please do. Please do. Go back further if you want. So a very critical piece to my story is when I got started in my career and I think this will also essentially play into, I genuinely believe anybody can do this. So let me go ahead and answer the caveats. I've been in marketing for two years total. I am 24 years old. I graduated from college in 2019 and I have any following, which blows my mind. So for starters, I focused on the one thing that I knew I could help somebody do at all. So I'm not speaking as a personal brand to very complex like long-term marketing strategy. I'm in the process of executing great long-term marketing strategy, but I'm speaking to how do you build a career because I've done that and I'm also not seeing a ton of people talk about it. So my audience is honestly, it's been surprising. My intended audience was college kids that I was like three or four years ahead of because I can speak to that. I've gained a lot larger audience, mostly of people in transition trying to break into marketing. Um, That wasn't the intent, but they're here and they, they like the content. So it works. But I started essentially with what I knew so that I could then actually speak to it more effectively versus trying to project something that I'm not across my entire career, to some extent, potentially to a fault. I've just owned and I've, I've not, I've not tried to fake it till you make it. Like people ask me like, do you know how to do this? I'm like, no, but I can go figure it out. Like I have the ability to go Google stuff and you're super busy but you've hired me to figure stuff out. So I'm going to go Google it until I figure it out. And then I'll teach everybody. So like, that's how I've built my career in its entirety. Uh, Within my first role, I was selling print advertising in a parenting magazine and was selling six figure deals and then going to classes on my lunch break because I was still in college. And within the first nine months there, I ended up becoming the sales team leader because I was just the guy that would like go and figure out how to break into six figure deals when everybody else was selling like 
low five-figure deals. Because the other thing that I think is such a massive advantage for people that are young is everything feels like a risk. So you just have no risk tolerance. So when everything feels like a risk, you might as well go for the riskiest things because those are the things that will end up paying off the most. I mention all of that context to say, when COVID hit, I got laid off and I was unemployed for four months. And the month before I got laid off, I had gotten engaged and I had gotten a mortgage on a house. My wife was still in college, so her getting a job was not an option. So I looked around and said, all right, I have to figure this out. And I applied to literally over a thousand jobs in four months. The very next week after I was laid off, I had 15 interviews. Like, I'm not making this up. Like, I feel this and I still to this day remember my, my fiance walking out of the house to go to a different state for God knows how long and not knowing what the future held and feeling the pressure and the weight of, I have eight months until we're married. I have to have this figured out. Like I have to. So from there, I ended up landing a job in marketing after four months of just complete and utter hopelessness and not being able to be employed. A piece of building this personal brand and a piece of why I'm helping so many people, this, the, like the only really selfish part is I never want to be unemployable again. Like I want to be able to always be employable regardless of what happens. Um, a, a way to do that is to just genuinely be super, super helpful and be well-liked and being kind. And when you are those things and people just know you and they like you and they think you're helpful and nice, you'll get hired. Whereas when I had just gotten out of college and nobody knew who I was, they're not going to hire the kid that has literally zero experience. Like that's not, and at my stage of my career, I'm already a marketing director at a very reputable agency. I literally don't have the years of experience to have my job. Like I look back at the job description, like I, I don't match this, but like I got promoted because I'm delivering results. My entire career progression will be based on relationships exclusively and being helpful and being kind and just genuinely giving more than I try to receive. All that to say, the way that I got to be marketing director so quickly is I got in, I recognized that I don't have the qualifications to actually do my job, and I learned how to do my job by experimenting, by testing, by not really feeling the risk that I was throwing out because everything felt like a risk and realizing the more I am known, the more that Mojo is known, the more that I can be helpful, the more that I can give, 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 I know that eventually we will start to receive and we have started to receive. Thank you so much for sharing that additional context. I'm so glad you did and for sharing what you went through. Uh, That must've been like an incredibly tough time. And I'm sure probably a lot of people can relate to that. Everyone goes through a really tough period in their lives. You really shared there that your approach was being helpful. And that's why I really wanted to get you on now in this season, because that's what it's all about on the B2B playbook is it's all about being helpful. You once told me that you were bullish on kindness. And (laughs) I love that phrase. It's clearly stuck with me. I, I think it's, it's so, so great. Kevin and I have a similar approach, but could you share perhaps some more practical examples of how you took that approach to being bullish on kindness to help build your own network and build that that safety blanket that you have now of an yeah. audience and a network. So you know that Mason Cosby is never going to be unemployed again. Yeah. 
So for short, starters, of, short of being cancelled or something, I don't know if you're in danger of that. But uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Typically, people that are bullish on kindness shouldn't be cancelled because they're trying to help other people. But <laughs> yeah, if I get cancelled for kindness, there's a real problem. All that to say, <laughs> yeah, what wasn't seen in my previous role when I was so my my career progression. When I got that first marketing role, I was marketing analyst. And then within three months, I was promoted to marketing director. So like, I just have a, a tendency to, to get in and like go really far above and beyond. Because again, I have, I have this like very forefront of my mind. Like I do not have the years of experience. So I can't just rely on my years of experience and them just trusting me. Like I have to go far above and beyond to execute and to get results early. And as a result, when you just do that, people typically promote you. And when I, when I had that pretty massive career acceleration, people took notice. And so friends from college would just call me up and say like, hey, how are you growing your career? Like, how did you do that? Because again, they also knew that four months prior, I literally couldn't get a job. And then suddenly I had a job. And then three months later, I was promoted. And some of those friends knew that that promotion actually came with a 50% pay bump. So I had gone from in the span of $0 to getting some dollars and then 50% more dollars in seven months. Like it was, it was a good progression for me. So people were asking, how did you do that? So I just started hopping on calls constantly. Like I literally would just talk with people all the time and give them career advice. My advice was literally like, go get every certification you can, like learn as much as you can, go to as many interviews as you can. Like when you do that, when you'll get better at interviewing. So the first 20 will be awful, but it's okay. It's no, those are not the dream jobs. Like you're getting the interview reps in so that by the time you get to that dream interview, you're not nervous. Like you've, you've seen this show, you've done this interview and you can just kill it. What I learned is that people don't like that advice. They don't like the idea of going to a thousand interviews. They don't like the idea of applying to a thousand jobs. Most people apparently are not like wired like I am and just have boundless energy for career progression. So in realizing I don't have other advice, like that's what I've got. Like, that's it. That's all I've done. I literally just applied and applied and applied. And then when I got my job at Mojo, I, I was very intentional. I built out a complete strategy for 10 years. Like I built a 10 year marketing plan and then presented it to them without them asking and just sent them an hour long video of me walking through step by step, how we're going to completely bring awareness and shape the way that people think over the next 10 years. And they're like, oh, okay, let's bring this guy in for an interview. So like, those were the two approaches. People don't like either one of those approaches because it's either like too specific or it's like too broad. So instead of continuing to just give those two pieces of advice, I realized, okay, what if I were able to interview other people that have found great success and just ask them what they did? And it's, it's no longer this guy that's only been doing this for two or three years, but it's people that have been doing it for 30 that have founded companies that have driven $17 billion in pipeline or whatever. I mean, it's just like these people that are crazy successful and you just ask them what they're doing. And then it kind of also just came into mind of I've never hired anybody but two interns. So like as much as I can give great career advice, I'm not hiring anybody. So I can't actually give them a job. So what if I also entered really successful people that were hiring? So not only are we getting great career advice, pretty interesting stories, 
but also very practically like can change their life because they can listen to the podcast, get a feel for their future boss, get a feel for the culture of their potential future company, and then apply. And then the boss is saying like, oh, you listen to the marketing ladder? Awesome. And it like expedites the process because by the nature that you're listening to the marketing ladder, you clearly care about your career. Like it just checks so many boxes in retrospect that I, it just, it makes too much sense and it, it's genuinely helpful and it's super fun. Yeah, it's, uh, it certainly is fun. I have a lot of fun every week on this podcasting journey that Kevin and I are on too. I think what's really interesting about what you were saying there, Mason, is that you didn't have it all figured out. And you said earlier that you didn't want to pretend to be the guy who had it figured out. You didn't want to do the whole fake it till you make it. And I think something that a lot of our listeners will have a bit of a reservation about when they go out to try and build their own brand is, well, I don't feel like I'm the expert in anything. I don't want to put myself out there because I'm really afraid of being wrong. But from what I can kind of see, Mason, the way that you have tackled that is you said, okay, I'm going to position myself. So I'm the person who I guess he's building a circle of people around him that's going to help you grow your marketing career and accelerate your marketing career. So all of a sudden you've relieved yourself of that duty of of being the person who knows everything and you're leaning on the expertise of people around you. Would you say that is an accurate, I guess, summation of your approach? Yeah. I mean, the the greatest relief for me was the recognition that I don't have to be the expert, but I can simply be the host of the party and that there's a ton of value in just being yeah, the guy that hosts yeah. the party. That is a way better way of saying it. The host of the party. That's, that's such a great way of doing it. I'm going to put that down with being bullish on kindness. I'm going to have a little Mason Cosby <laughs> quote book. Um, that's awesome. And- You've also you've also mentioned learning in public before. I'm not sure if you've mentioned it today. Do you want to tell us, I guess, a little bit more what you mean by when you say learning in public? Yeah, um, it's funny because I'm I'm so not the expert that the two things I'm most known for are literally talking to people that are way smarter than me and learning in public. Like that, that's what I'm known for now, which is like a great thing to be known for at, at this stage of my life. But I mean, yeah, for the first year and a half, I mean, I was posting constantly on LinkedIn trying to be the expert and that it didn't work because, I mean, if we rewind literally 18, 24 months ago, I was two weeks on the job in a marketing career. Like what, what am I going to offer as far as like practical marketing strategy? I had literally never executed a strategy. Like I had no idea what I was talking about, but I tried because that's what I thought I was supposed to be doing. And it wasn't honestly until probably five or six months ago where I just stopped being the expert. Like I've just stopped trying to be the expert and I've just started essentially inviting people on a journey with me and saying more to the extent of, man, I, by the nature of my role, like I'm a marketing director at a marketing agency that is, that has a lot of great connections. I'm meeting really cool people. What if I just ask them to come on a separate thing and just ask them a different set of questions that is outside of their normal context? Because that's the thing that's been continually, like the, the, the reason I'm able to get so many guests is we're like, no one's ever asked me how I like built my career. Like nobody's ever asked me what I've learned every step of the way, but I've learned so many things that are not necessarily like practical marketing strategy and execution, but it's just like good life skills. An interview I did yesterday was like, how do you leave a job well? 
And like, nobody's really told me how to do that. So the opportunity to learn how to leave a job well was awesome. Really, that's that was the difference, was I stopped trying so hard to be someone that I'm not. Man, my wife will attest, when I got into a marketing career, I studied harder than I ever did in college. And I've just, like, it was this sudden flip switch of, oh, like, this is actually practical and I can do it and, like, make it work. So for the past two years, I've been probably the best student I've ever been in my life. And realizing, like, that's okay to be a student and to really live into that and then actually document it with others and, like, ask others what they're learning. And, and again, if you look at all of my posts, it's either super practical, like, how do you get a job stuff, or it's just sharing lessons that I learned last week and asking people what they're learning. And it, it's, it's fostered such a good community. And, again, there, there are so many unintended byproducts that have happened as a result of it. Because, I mean, I got to be candid, like, I didn't, I didn't plan all of the, the things with the podcast when I started it. Um, this would be a, another topic to maybe dive into, like, how the podcast even got started. But essentially, like, it, it's been so fun to, to own who you are as a person as opposed to trying to fake who you're not and share in those learnings that you're learning today. It makes LinkedIn way easier, and it makes building a personal brand way, way easier when you talk about what you learned yesterday than trying to fake what you should learn in five years from now. I think, Mason, you're, you're very humble, and I think you're probably playing down, actually, the expertise you do bring to your audience. I think there is something to be said about having that proactive act, attitude towards your career. Just being able to go and say, I don't know this, but I'll figure out the answer. I'll Google it and I'll figure out and you'll action it. That's a skill that's not probably as common as, as we think. Like the three of us here, you know, we're experienced in doing that. We're thrown into environments where we've either been forced to do that or in your case, Mason, I think it comes quite naturally to just figure it out. It's not necessarily something that comes naturally to everyone. And sometimes you showing that example to people really gives them that kick to go forward and, and have that, that confidence to, to do it. And, and so that expertise, I think, is something that you actually bring into the space as well. And it's a great blend of uh, your own proactive attitude, the, the expertise of how to do that, uh, even if you have no experience uh, at the beginning, if you have very little experience. And then you're combining that with all this expertise that you're getting in from very experienced people in the industry. And that mix of, here's what you can do now, here's what it looks like in the future, and paving that story for a lot of your audience, I think you know, that is the expertise that you bring into this space. And that is, is going to be really helpful. So very humble, but I can definitely see the value you bring in there. I appreciate that. And I, yeah, I guess if like, if I have any expertise, it is literally just the guy that's, that's going to go and do, I'm realizing looking back on my, on my life that I've always been that guy. And if I had any expertise, it's literally don't overthink it, just go do and see what happens. I mean, it's literally how I got married. Like I just, I met my wife, and I said, you know what, let's just go ask her on a date and see what happens. And like, I've continually put myself in situations that would be pseudo risky. And when you put yourself in the middle of a situation, you have to figure out how to get out of it. And if you continually do that, not, and I want to be very clear, like in a safe way, like don't, don't be dumb, but like, okay, I threw out this idea of we're going to host a workshop where we do live website reviews. Okay. People seem to like this idea. We need to figure out how to do that. 
And then I have like a three week window to figure that out. And I can figure it out in three weeks. Like that's totally fine. Or like one of the things that we have coming up that I'm really excited about that has not been officially launched and announced, but this could be an official launch and announcement. Uh, we're hosting an annual conference. So it's a massive virtual conference with numerous sponsors. And like, I've never put together an event like that. But I was like, all right, I'm going to give myself six months. Like, we can figure this out. And we have. And it's going to launch in March. And we'll do it in April. And it'll be awesome. I've never done anything that I'm doing, but I just keep Googling and it keeps working. So you just learn by doing, really. It's the fastest way to do it. And then, I mean, as doers, we're probably all a bit like that here. I think it's then our role, and I think you do this, Mason, of, as you said, sharing with people today what you wish you knew yesterday. Mm -hmm. And that in itself brings so much value. I want to dive a little bit more into the weeds, Mason, of the practicalities of actually building a brand <laughs> and how you're doing that on LinkedIn. Because I think hopefully our listeners by now are really bought in on this idea that you know, building a brand is very good for you, very good for your career, gives you a bit of a safety blanket. We've spoken about how you really need to, I guess, define what it is that you want to talk about, and then you can leverage other people to help you do that. But then just in terms of the practicalities of building your brand and network on LinkedIn, let's just start by what does, what does your day look like on LinkedIn? How long do you spend on it? What are you doing when you're on there? So I spend the first 30 minutes of the day on LinkedIn. So I have found people that are industry adjacent that I really like that I put the notification bell on. So whenever they post all around the same time, it's anywhere from about 8 to 8.30 my time. Um, I go and like and comment on all of their things. And then um, I'll go through my feed and check my feed and I'll like and comment stuff there. So I'm typically leaving 50. I actually intentionally do celebrate because I'm a celebratory person. So I don't just like stuff. I actually like go through the process of like clicking the green clappy hands to celebrate because I'm just, I prefer to celebrate over just like stuff. And I, I leave comments. If I'm liking something, I'm almost always commenting. Like my like to comment ratio is probably like, not ratio, but percentage is probably 90%. Because as much as a good like is, is helpful, and what, what a like is going to do, people don't think about this as much, but when you like something, you are sending a notification to the person that made the post and that notification then sends them a hit of dopamine. And whenever they actually get that hit of dopamine, they open up their notifications and they see your face. So you're associating your face with a hit of dopamine every single time you like or comment on something. So that, like the psychological piece to it, that's another way you can get to be more likable is like more stuff. And then the comments, I always try to leave something genuinely insightful. And if I don't have anything to say that's insightful, I try to be funny. That it's risky. I've had some sarcastic comments that do not land and the people think I'm a total jerk. I've stopped being sarcastic <laughs> unless it's like way overtly sarcastic. So some one, one of my favorite copywriters listed all the words you shouldn't use. So then I left a comment that used every single one of those words. So that clearly was a joke. <laughs> so I do one of those That's two right. things. That's so good. And then after I've liked and commented on everybody's, I don't know if this is true or not, but I've seen it from other people that when you are active on LinkedIn before you post, you quote unquote warm up the algorithm. Again, I don't know if that's true or not, but at least it gets you in the right headspace. I used to plan out my posts. Like I used to write them in advance. I used to batch them. I don't do that anymore. Just because my quote unquote personal brand at this point is someone that is genuine, is authentic, is helpful. And when I pre-planned post, I sounded too marketery. Like I sounded too much like it was like perfectly executed copy and too markety and 
I, I overthought it. So I give myself probably five minutes to write a post. I'll go back and edit it before I hit submit. And then it's, I just submit it and I go from there. I keep LinkedIn open and I work on other stuff. And then whenever somebody comments, I'll comment back. And I do that for probably, like I just keep it open for like an hour. And I'm very intentional that whenever somebody comments, like I'm there, but I'm, I'm working on something else. So I'm not just like sitting there waiting for the comment, but that does two things. It drives further engagement and reach on LinkedIn. Uh, Cause the more comments you have, the further your reach will be. And the other side of it is it actually drives genuine relationships and community. So I saw one other person that's an active creator on LinkedIn and every single comment that she leaves, she asks a question back to dig deeper. And I love that. So I picked that up as a way to drive more comments and further conversations. Cause somebody will say, Oh my goodness, I love this great takeaways. And I used to just say like, thank you so much. Glad you enjoyed. And now I say, that's awesome. What was your biggest takeaway? And now we've actually engaged in a dialogue and they're coming back, giving me more insight on what's actually resonating with my audience. So then I can create more content that resonates with the audience better. And then the other thing that I'm doing, I used to try to have a consistent schedule on my podcast of like when I'd record and do live stream LinkedIn. I don't like, I don't schedule those out. I just go live and people get a notification that I'm live. Some people join in, some people don't, and that's okay. But I'm doing LinkedIn lives a couple times a week. So I'm realizing at this point in my life, I'm probably posting at least six times a week that are text posts, plus however many podcast episodes I do. So I'm probably posting upwards of 10 times a week on LinkedIn. But at this point, it takes 30 minutes plus the ability to pseudo be present for an hour after I've posted. And then I'm just doing podcast episodes. So instead of pre-recording, I'm just doing them live. And there are pros and cons to that, you know, Somebody had a coughing fit on one of the LinkedIn Live podcasts, and it was like, oh, man, this is kind of awkward. Somebody dropped, like, their Wi-Fi died in the middle of the episode. And you're like, well, like, I got to figure this one out now. So there's pros and cons to it. But for me, I am thankful that I've got the tools in place where I can be constantly more and more visible and just invite people in. Like, again, it's learning in public. So it's inviting people in to be a part of the podcast episode. And like, I've actually had people ask questions and like, we throw in questions from the audience at the end. And like, again, that's happened only on a couple of the times, but that's that's really kind of the, the day-to-day. The other thing that gets some flack sometimes is I send out a hundred connection requests every single week. And I've been doing that for six months. And it is the only way that I found that you can proactively build your audience. Because everybody else has just got to find you. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, but we do the exact same thing and have found the same thing. It's the only way to proactively grow your audience and grow with the people that you want to connect with most. You can't just wait, sit there shouting into the ether, hoping people find you and connect with you. It's networking. You've got to be the person who approaches the other person in the room, except it's a lot easier than doing that in in, in real life. You can just send that connection request. Absolutely. And I thought I was crazy. And then I listened to, I think it was episode 167 of the State of Demand Gen podcast. And Chris Walker walked through the strategy that I've been doing for the past six months. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like even down to build a podcast where you interview marketing leaders on how they built their career. And I was like, are you kidding me? It's like he knew my playbook before I ever, like I listened to the episode like three weeks ago. Like it's not like I had it. And what blows my mind is that that's been out for a year and nobody else did it. It's crazy. And that, I think that's why there's, there's so much value in this is, again, we're sharing the things that we wish we knew yesterday, a year ago, 
whatever it was so we can help other people get started. And what I'm hearing from you, Mason, is really the first step that people should take is probably identify, what would you say, maybe like 10, 15 people that interest them in the topic that I guess they're more interested in and perhaps just start reading, commenting and engaging where they have something to add or trying to be funny. Uh, Is that kind of where you would start is maybe making a, a short list? Because most people's LinkedIn feeds a garbage right now. Most of their feeds is just surrounded by friends, maybe a couple of colleagues from old jobs, and there's just not much going on there. I used to think it was such a huge waste of time until I started putting effort into proactively finding people that I was interested in. Was that your experience too? Yeah. So, I mean, I'd actually take it a step back before before doing that because here's like the blessing and the curse of the personal brand. It's like, people know I exist now. So like people have categorized me. I'm in a box. Like I am in a marketing careers box. So if I ever wanted to like, I don't know, become an engineer, I've got to completely shift my personal brand. And granted, I'm early enough at this point where like I could do that, but there's there's momentum built. So I'd have to start over. So before I recommend like, yeah, go build that personal brand. Like, cause I don't think you should build a personal brand around your business unless you own the business. Because it's your personal brand. It's going with you. So I would I would take the time to figure out like, what do I want to be associated with long-term? For me, marketing careers made a ton of sense because I was hopping on calls four to five times a week with random people on LinkedIn to help them build their career. I was already doing it. My my literal like bucket list is to coach a million people. Like I knew this is where I was going to be. So I figured let's go ahead and start now. And there will be byproducts that are helpful for Mojo. And honestly, it'll end up becoming a time saver because instead of now hopping on calls as much, I point them towards a resource, which is way more helpful than me pontificating on how to apply for a thousand jobs. So take that step back and essentially identify, like, what do I want to be about? Like, who do I want to be known as? Because George, you're sending people my way, but who are you sending? Young career marketers. You're not sending engineers. You're not sending anybody else. You're sending people because you associate me. You've put me in a box as a, like a marketing careers guy, which is great. That's what I wanted. So start there. And once you figure that out, then figure out who are the people that are in this pseudo space. It may be directly correlated. It might be industry adjacent. So again, my audience that I'm trying to go after are marketers that are in transition or are looking to start their career. I engage a ton specifically with Maya Grossman because Maya is going after more director VP levels that are looking to have career acceleration. So we have overlap, but we're going after different audiences. And she's got like 66,000 followers. I've got like 4,800. So if I can piggyback off of her, and she's been on my podcast. She's great. I plugged her. Like she's an amazing, amazing person when it comes to marketing careers. I don't view her as a competitor because we're going after different audiences. And even if we were competitors, like she's still helping people. Like there's enough out there for everybody. Do you know how many marketers there are? Everybody needs help with their career. Like I'm fine. So all that to say, once you've figured out what you want to be about, then identify the people you want to be industry adjacent to. Those 100 connection requests aren't random. Like I used to try to do like the suggested LinkedIn and it's like giving people that I have like one mutual connection with, but I have over 4,000 connections at this point. Like why is it giving me mutual connections of one where there's literally people that I like have found where it's like you have 300 mutual connections. I'm like, why didn't you suggest that person? That seems way <laughs> more obvious to me, but LinkedIn's like suggestions are trying to get people more active on the platform. And that's not who you want to connect with. You want to connect with people that are active. So find the people that you like that have far larger followings, then look at who's liked their posts and then connect with those people because they like to post today, like they were on the platform. That's like, that's the connection strategy. And then if you are blessed with a more robust tool set, I'll be completely candid. I started getting way more active on LinkedIn for the express purpose that I was trying to close target accounts. 
I was trying to get in front of our target account list. So I sent, we had 1,600 people on our target account list. So the first 16 weeks of the past six months, we're sending out 100 connection requests to exclusively target accounts. And that's what I did. You can use it for, for business development. Like that's fine too. But if you're really just trying to build a personal brand, identify what you want to be about, find people that are industry adjacent or talking about the same thing and then like and connect with those people. Wow, Mason, that's so powerful. I think there's so many parallels with how we talk about how you should build your B2B marketing strategy. You know, a, a lot of what you're saying, figuring out what you're about, then looking at who are the most influential people in that space. That's exactly what we talk about in the Be Ready stage where we talk about figuring out your why, like why does the company exist? What are you actually trying to be known for? And then taking that and then finding the Dream 100 influencers in the space. Where are people going in your space who are already trying to get information from? And then talking to that audience and, and pushing out helpful content and being intentional with it as well, connecting with the right people and being intentional with how you engage with them. And I would say it's actually the exact same. It is the exact same. I am unintentionally running a demand generation strategy for my life. I didn't mean to, it just has happened and it's been awesome. <laughs> but like you can run an ABM strategy for, for going for jobs. That's what I did for Mojo. I built a very specific 10 year marketing strategy or I could do the outbound SDR play, which is what I did the first time. And I literally applied for a thousand jobs. Like that's not an exaggeration. It was a thousand jobs. Do you know how long that takes? Four months. <laughs> so it's not, it's not parallels. Like the reason I'm good at career hunting is because I'm a marketer. They're the same. I love that. I love that using an ABM approach to your life. I think that's so good. And it just, it says so much to the power of being intentional with, with what you're doing. And the great thing is, is you're not trying to trick people. Like ABM is not a trick. Like you're connecting with people and you're actually providing them value once you connect with them. So you don't need to feel bad about being intentional with what you're doing. And that's why it still fits into this whole be bullish on kindness, be helpful framework. And that's why I find it so great that you've spoken about this because sometimes when you just say be helpful, people think it's this big airy fairy, oh, everyone love everybody sort of thing. But when you direct your helpfulness at the people you can help the most, that's when you actually get results at the back of it for your company, for yourself. Yeah, and if, if I may just hop in, like to make this really practical for exactly like the ability that I've had to be helpful, I connected with my target accounts. I wasn't posting anything that was relevant for them because it was all about marketing strategy. I started posting about marketing careers. I built an audience of young, hungry marketers. My target accounts are all hiring. So they need help recruiting great talent. So then they come on my podcast we build a one-to-one -one relationship and I help them find talent. Like I had somebody message me today that was like 10 people connected with me and messaged me and said that they listened to my episode and they want to work for me. So I have solved a peripheral problem for my ideal customers. They associate me as a problem solver and it naturally comes up in the conversation that I work at a marketing agency because we're just talking about our careers and like that's where I work right now. So if we want to talk about like be helpful, a part of the marketing ladder is helping people find jobs for sure. Cause I really want to help people find jobs because I know how awful it was for me and I don't want people to experience that. But the other part is helping my ideal customers actually hire their team. And whenever they need a marketing agency, they know who to call because they are friends. Like I'm not just saying that I text some of my target accounts and I make jokes with them that they are my yeah. target accounts. Like they know we share Slack channels. Like it's, it's, it's a joke at this point. So they're ready whenever it's time. And they're not calling anybody else because we're friends. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I love that. And I love that idea of solving a peripheral problem. You're not solving like the direct problem that your business can solve because then otherwise you're just doing the same thing that all your other competitors are trying to do. You're actually trying to figure out what's important to them, what's pressing to them, what can I help them with that is peripheral to the problem that I'm trying to solve. I think that's, that's such a great approach. I'd just like to ask a little more about how do you know when your branding, building your personal brand is working? Are there any metrics that you look at and track to say, Mason, we're going in the right direction? I have been on five podcasts in 2022. In 2021, I was on zero podcasts. People mention me on LinkedIn at all. Like I probably get posts that mention me four or five times a week. Six months ago, nothing. I get a significant number of inbound message requests that are people saying, hey, I heard about you or hey, I loved your content or hey, I've seen your content. Like, hey, I've been listening to the marketing ladder. Like, hey, it's not just a connection request, but it's, hey, insert something about you. Those are, those are really the big three that help me know my personal brand's in the right direction. Um, another thing that happened is I got asked to speak at a conference. So I'm speaking at a conference in November. I don't know on what. He doesn't know either. He's just like, he actually <laughs> said this to me today. And he, he's got a conference with 15 to 20,000 attendees. It's not a small conference. And I was like, what do you want me to talk about? He goes, I don't know. You just seem smart. You're in marketing and you're nice. Like, I just want you to talk. So that, that indicates to me, all right, we're on the right track. Yeah. Totally. So it's it's the feedback that you're getting then. It's not like how many likes that you're getting on your post. It's what you're actually, the qualitative data is what we talk about. That's what people are actually saying to you. And that's not always going to come up on LinkedIn as a comment either. Like very often I have people mention to me in real life the, how much they're enjoying our LinkedIn posts and our videos and our podcasts. And I think, well, you've never commented on our LinkedIn posts. I had no idea. I think something there that's important is to not get too caught up in those numbers as LinkedIn is reporting them. And it's more about getting that feedback loop and feeling, getting that feeling really. It's that gut feeling, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I get tagged in posts now from people that have never liked or commented that say, man, Mason's concept of learning in public has inspired me to start posting more frequently about what I'm learning. They've never liked anything. They've never commented on anything. Honest to goodness, I hate to say it this bluntly, I don't know who they are. Like, they don't even connect with me sometimes until they make a post about me all of a sudden. And now we're connected. And sometimes that turns into 15-minute phone calls. Like, it turns into other things. But yeah, I mean, that starting, again, it was very odd for me to start getting tagged next to people like Kyle Lacey, Justin Welsh, Chris Walker, like really big marketers. And I've got like 3,000 followers and I'm 24 and like... I've been doing marketing for two years. People, people want my thoughts. Like people actually think I have something valuable to say. I, I want to be very clear. Like I'm still wearing that a little bit. Like I'm still getting used to that. It's been six months, but like that's the indicator to me that this is working. I hate to keep coming back to like people know we exist, but when you tag somebody, like you click the at symbol and you type their name. Like it doesn't auto-populate people that are related to that topic. Like you wrote about something and then you decided, yeah, Mason would have valuable things about this topic. So that's that's the clearest indicator to me that personal branding is working. That's awesome. And I think part of it is that for the people who are getting traction, like yourself, probably Chris Walker, you guys, you're unashamedly yourselves as well. I mean, I'd say you have a very different approach to Chris. Kevin and I 
always have a bit of a laugh that um, Chris just always sounds so pissed off and frustrated anytime he makes a point. And, you know, every time he's on his videos holding his microphone and he just starts with a big sigh, like, oh, I don't know if you're a Seinfeld fan, but uh, I think George Costanza was the one who said that uh, in order for people to think you're busy and important, you should always act like a little bit pissed off. That brand for him, that, that gives him like so much authority, but you're doing it in a completely different way where you just open, honest, very raw, admit where you don't know things and uh, just go out there to be as helpful as possible. I mean, Chris is absolutely out there being as helpful as possible, but I think you're also being true to your own personal styles. But give me a decade. Like Chris is 34. <laughs> I, 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 and I don't, I don't mean that as like a, but I'm, I'm being true to who I am. But I mean, I'm also thinking in the past six months about how much my own learnings have accelerated because I'm in connection and in proximity to people that are way smarter than me. Like it's, it's, it's the right play for me right now. It's like the right position. I think I'll always be bullish on kindness, but there may come a point where I transition from learning in public to being the expert. But who says I have to choose right now? Like my personal brand will shift over time as I do as a person. Mason, I think that's such a great end piece to our conversation is that realization that the brand that you're building now doesn't have to be the one that you have in 10 years, but it can be related. And it's all about that journey. And I think you're a great example of why people, our listeners need to start that journey now, even while they're working as a career marketer, it's the best time to do it. Do you have any final I guess, piece of advice or something that you'd like to say to our audience before we wrap things up, something that we haven't covered that you'd like to talk about? Final, final thought, probably listening to this, you th- may think, man, Mason had this killer strategy of he's going to solve the problem for, for his customers of hiring, and then they'll like him. This whole thing, and I, I don't say this sarcastically, but like this whole thing got started because I like talking about careers. And one of my other buddies that's in marketing that owns an agency made a joke on LinkedIn. I was like, Hey, I got a LinkedIn live who wants to do something with me. And I said, LOL, want to do one together with like 17 question marks. I mean, it was just, I don't know what I was doing. This was, this was (laughs) seven or seven months ago or something. But then I'm a big Dave Ramsey fan. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Dave Ramsey, but it's a, it's a whole financial thing. One of his executive marketing directors liked that comment. And I, I tagged him and said, hey, Trey, would, would you like to also do a LinkedIn Live together? He was like, yeah, man, I'd love to. I was like, all right. Now I have two people to do a LinkedIn Live. What are we going to talk about? So then I figured, all right, I could talk about marketing careers. And then it, it kind of became a game. People have talked about starting a podcast. How difficult can it be? So then I asked a bunch of people, and I got James Carberry, Sam Keenly from Refine Labs, Sangram Verge from Terminus. Like, I got massive names in the industry. I was like, I'm going to build a podcast around marketing careers. I don't have a title yet. Would you want to come on? And everybody said yes. I had seven guests lined up before I had a title. So then the LinkedIn post became, I have seven guests for a podcast that we're going to do on LinkedIn Live, and I don't have a title. What do you guys think it should be? And LinkedIn voted. That's where the name The Marketing Ladder came from. I didn't come up with that. Wow. (laughs) That is so cool. It then evolved into what it is today. So if you're thinking, man, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. Talk about what you're passionate about that is somewhat professionally related, and you can figure out the long-term strategy later. Don't do a ton of planning because you don't know if it's going to work. So start, and if it starts to work, build a strategy, build a plan, 
make like the processes around it so it can scale, but don't invest that kind of time in something you don't know will actually do anything for your business. I love that. Everyone can just get started. You don't have to have it all figured out to begin with. I want to encourage everyone before we wrap up to please go and subscribe to The Marketing Ladder. It's an awesome podcast. I've listened to a bunch of episodes there. It's full of practical tips, advice. There's a huge amount of value in there for people listening to it, particularly if you're a career marketer. I would also like to encourage people to follow Mason Cosby on his LinkedIn. And is there anything else that you'd like to direct our audience to? Honestly, no. If you go listen to The Marketing Ladder and uh, you go follow me on LinkedIn, I, I've got some things in the works that are kind of the next iteration of the future of The Marketing Ladder. So I'm just going to drop that teaser. And if you stay connected on LinkedIn, if you keep listening to the podcast, when those things are ready to be announced, they will be announced. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being so incredibly generous with your time. I think our listeners are absolutely going to love this. It's been packed full of very, very sage advice from and I don't take this as an insult, a regular person. We're all just regular people. And that's what I want our listeners to realize is if, is if Mason can do it, if we can do it, you can do it too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the most regular person you'll ever meet. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think we can close out there. Thank you so much, Mason. Wow. That was... Pretty awesome, Kev. I know you didn't get a chance to say too much because I kept butting in there, but so much value there from Mason. I think really, Kev, the key takeaway there is the power of the personal brand and how just being helpful opens so many career and business doors. Yes, a great chat with Mason. I love some of the quotes he said. Let's just run through a few of those again. Um, Being bullish on kindness, be host of the party, learn in public and solve a periphery problem for your dream customers. They encapsulate just some of the great ideas and I guess tips that we chatted about just now. Listeners, if you haven't already, go and give Mason Cosby a follow on LinkedIn and check out the Marketing Ladder podcast. They're two places where we were able to connect with Mason and found a lot of value from his content. So we definitely encourage you to check that out. Cool. Kev, everything will be in the show notes as per usual, uh, including the spelling of Mason's name, although Cosby is a lot easier to spell than Kudinaris. So do your best to guess it. I'm sure you'll get it on the first try. (laughs) And final point, listeners, we're all regular people and you can do it as well. So get started. Great. Thank you very much, Kev. Thanks again to Mason. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Cheers, listeners. Catch you next week. A quick note before you go, listeners, you can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.